0: Hey, my name is Philip Craig. I'm the pastor here at Aria Church. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope this podcast empowers you, hope it fuels your faith, and hope it impacts your life. Enjoy the message. We're going to go into a message on the topic of Palm Sunday, just thinking about Jesus' entry into Jerusalem and what that means to us. You know, it's easy just to talk about this stuff in the Bible, and it really doesn't mean much to our personal lives. Has anyone ever been there? You're just kind of hearing sermon after sermon, but it, there's no application. It doesn't change you whatsoever. And so I'm really, I, I'm really asking those questions. Is it right? I, I want to understand the context of what, what's happening and when Jesus was entering into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, but also I want to see how that actually changes me. And what maybe God wants to speak to me through that. So let's go ahead. We're going to read. If you've got a Bible, go ahead and get it out. We're going to read through uh, Matthew uh, chapter 21, uh, verses 1 to 11. It should be on the screen as well. It says, As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you. And at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie. Everyone say untie. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them. And he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken about. The prophet said to the daughter Zion, which is another word for Israel or Jerusalem, And those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Turn your neighbor and say, "The the highest heaven. The highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Let's pray. God, we just pray and thank you for the reading of your word. We thank you that the word brings life. And just pray today, Father, you would bring life and you would speak life and and help us to make decisions that lead to life. In Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. 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 I've been speaking Polish all week, guys. And and I'm telling you, my accent's starting to change. Tak, dobja, you know, what, what do you want? Vitame, um, welcome, that means, that was quite an angry welcome. But anyhow, bear with me, bear with me. Today's message is called When It's Nearly Finished. When it's nearly finished. So I've got a little line, a little finish line here. When it's nearly finished, when I nearly get over the line Of completion. And I think this is where we find Jesus in this story. He's entering into Jerusalem, and this is where everything's about to come together. He came to earth, the Word became flesh and bone, and was named Jesus, Messiah. So he's on this journey to the finish line. He knows it. We know he knows it because he told his disciples multiple times that, hey, I'm about to die, I'm going to rise again. But it went over their head. They didn't see it they didn't see what Jesus seen until after it's a bit like faith sometimes faith works out forward but we understand it backwards has anyone ever done that where you're like man i didn't realize what was happening at the time but when i look back i see god's hand upon my life i see how god actually brought me into his purposes but not the way I expected. And I think that's what's happening here. Jesus is on a journey into Jerusalem. He knows, he senses, he, he, he discerns, oh my goodness. Oh, there's a weight. There's, have you ever, maybe some of you have came to church this morning or you've went into a new environment and you feel, oh, whew, it's a big decision. What are they going to say when I get in there? I was talking to my barber during the week and he was like, you think I'd be okay if I came? And he keeps telling me this, but he never comes. Oh, yeah, social anxiety. What he's really saying is, uh, what are they going to do to me when I get in? Are they going like, to ask me to stand up and tell everyone all their, all their sins, or all my sins? What, what, have you ever been there? And there's a wait, the, or maybe you're about to go into an exam, or, or play a cup final game, or, or a fight. I was anticipating UFC fights last night. I was nervous. I find it hard to sleep. I was so excited. But there was a weight. <laughs> but imagine if you were going into that fight, there's a burden. What, what if I don't win? What, what if I get humiliated? What if you know you're about to get humiliated and you know it's the right thing to do anyhow? It's funny, I was actually coming back to the church during the week and I was coming to the lights past ASDA and someone was looking out of ASDA, and, and I thought, right, I'll let them out. That's a good thing to do. I would like someone to do that to me. But then what happened is I got caught at the light. And I just thought about it for a second. I thought, you know, this part of me thought, well, I shouldn't have done that because I didn't get through the light. But then the other part of me said, thought, no, actually, sometimes doing the right thing comes at a cost. It, it means me doing the right thing for someone else to benefit and I miss out. Woo! And I think that's what Jesus was walking into Jerusalem with exactly the same attitude. He's like, I'm about to do something and it's gonna I'm gonna miss out in some ways. I'm gonna experience infliction and pain because of their problems, because of our sins. But he says I'm going to do the right thing because this is my assignment, this is my purpose, God had put, put me on the earth for this reason and so I'm going to do the right thing and it's going to be a sacrifice of my comfort, it's going to be a sacrifice of my life and that's heavy and I think one thing that we've got to be careful with is if we don't know how to finish well we don't finish at all Jesus is coming up. He's so close. You think about it. He's just poured out his life. He's done a lot of fun stuff, turning water into wine. Can I get an amen? He's seeing people healed. He's got his hand on the plow, and he's got power to do it, so he's just ruffling up the feathers. He's ruffling up the ground. He's preparing the ground for success, for fruit. For... He's backing up his words with action. He's in a very strong position for those three years of his ministry. It's good. He's going in and people think they've caught him and he catches them out. People think they know his thoughts or they think they're you know the, the Pharisees are trying to catch him out and they're jealous and they're trying to stop him and he wins every time. That's, that's fun. That, that's progress. That's nearly the easy, fun part. But then the, the finish looks very different. It looks like in a position where he would have usually responded and even shown up people, in a position where he would have taught and had control, he gave up his rights. Instead of being active and walking around and finding new opportunities, it came to the the time where he actually sat down. And instead of speaking, he was silent. Have you ever been in a situation where someone has, has spoke wrongly about you? What do you want to do? What are you so eager? Like, You want to confront that quickly. That's a lie. But somehow Jesus knew in this moment, this is not a time to fight. This is not a time to have my hand on the plow. This is a time to be silent. That's hard. But it was the only way for him to finish his assignment. It was the only way to finish the race successfully. You know, sometimes when you get so close to something and you're weary, and you're tired, it's so easy to give up. Because at the end of a race, I was actually looking through this um, yesterday uh, when you do a marathon. I've done about seven miles in a marathon. That's as far as I went. But they tell me, these are the kind of emotional states that you find yourself in in a marathon. Anybody done a marathon in here? One. The full thing? Mate. All right. Well, then give me an amen. I'm from talking sense here. So at the start, you come in with a high. This might even be described as somebody who has given their life to Jesus, is getting baptized tonight. You're excited. There's a, you're a newborn. Woo! Everything's easy. Well, not always, but it's exciting. You see clearly. Nicola came in here buzzing for tonight. Woo! Let's go. Get me in that water. It's going to be cold, Nicola, I haven't told you that yet. <laughs> I need you to remember this. But it's a high, At the start of a journey, it's usually high. You're not thinking about anything hard. You're thinking about, whoa, this is class. I'm going to do a marathon. I'm going to have that box ticked up. And then all of a sudden, something shifts along the journey and what they would call suppression. You're in between a twinge of panic, they call it, And and they're suppressing, oh, I'm excited, but I'm also feeling a wee bit of panic starting to come on, but I'm trying to suppress it because I like the feelings of happiness and excitement. And so all of a sudden, then you transfer into a little bit of panic, oh my word, I'm I'm at mile two. (laughs) Sorry, I should be going this way, that's the finish line. (laughs) I'm at mile two, and I'm starting to breathe a little bit heavier, and then after that, and then after that, there's disillusion. Just confused a wee bit. I, I, this. So this is such a long race. How, how am I going to get there? I'm at mile or five or six. I had a, a good rhythm for a while, but I'm now really starting to feel it, as if my body is nearly done. Um. But I, I've definitely done this before. But there's my mind's playing games, and I'm disillusioned. I'm not, I'm not thinking straight. Um. And then that leads to rock bottom. This is where I believe Jesus is in, in his race. He's, he's heading towards rock bottom. He knows the result. He expects this, this feeling, and he submits to it. He keeps going towards rock bottom. He doesn't opt out. He, how weird is that to be preaching that in church? Hey, if, you, if you're about to go towards rock bottom, keep going. What? That's not, that's not very encouraging, Phil. But this is what Jesus is teaching us here. There's times in your life if you want to finish strong, you have to enter rock bottom. You can't run from it. We have to enter it. And then after that comes the sil- silver lining when you're like, oh, it's the last 100 meters. Oh, yeah, I'll stumble across the finish line. Woo, this is easy, easy. And then there's change. Then there's completion. Completion. Then there's a sense of, I can overcome more than I think. Then there's more faith in you to go further. Then you can now encourage other people with the process of potential defeat. You know, some of us, we get so close to an award or a finish line, and then right before we cave in to the feelings of rock bottom, A good friend of mine was at the Oscars not too long ago. And he was so close to getting a a lovely award with no drama. But something shifted. I don't know what was going on behind the scenes, but he just got super emotional. Some personal issues. It's funny how the personal issues just came at the time where he was about to get uh, recognized for that work he's done for so many miles of his life. A good 25 miles and he he was so close and bang, slap. He just pops someone on the stage. I don't know if any of you know anything about my mate, but (laughs) he just decided to go up onto a stage and slap someone right before he's about to get recognized, awarded, finish his assignment in his world, so to speak. And now no one's talking about how good an actor he is. No one's talking about How great an actor Will Smith is. They're talking about how he slaps people on stages and how dysfunctional his marriage is because he didn't really finish the race the way he had intended to. It's funny, Denzel Washington spoke to Will and said, The devil will come for you when you're closer to the top. When you're at the top, that's when the devil comes. When you're closest to breakthrough, that's when temptation is greatest to quit. Because you're tireder, but you're closer. There's natural resistance that comes when, when you start to break through a level of humility in your life. Just as you get closest to breakthrough, that's when the resistance is strongest. The same applies in the gym. Obviously, Nathan here doesn't just do... Uh, marathons, he's obviously breaking all kinds of barriers and assignments when he goes to the gym because his muscles are massive. <laughs> and I'm like, are you injecting or what's going on here, Nathan? Because there's, those muscles keep getting bigger and they don't get bigger without a test. And not just a test, you have to pass the test. When resistance comes, you have to bring your muscles to completion, complete exhaustion. Correct? And when you, you bring your muscles and your body to complete exhaustion, there's change. There's progress. There's movement forward. Your body morphs into a stronger version of itself. And so if if we think about Jesus is coming into a triumphal entry, he's going to triumph over death and the grave. But it looks like allowing himself to go to exhaustion. I wonder if there's some things in our life whether it could be your, what's your assignment right now? Is it your family? Is it providing for your family? Is it a job? Is it trying to get over a traumatic experience as a kid? Is it, is it, is it unforgiveness, rejection, resentment? Is it not thinking of yourself the way God thinks of you? Is it insecurity? Well, I'm telling you, if you want to bring change, It's going to look like exhausting out the fleshly instincts of the past to move forward, to to morph into a new mindset, a new body, so to speak, a new spiritual mindset and framework. And until you do so, until you finish that, there'll be no change. But the hardest part is not the start, it's often the end. Can I get an amen? And so, how you how you finish one season often dictates how you enter the next. Because Will Smith finished this season the way he did, it changes his entrance into the next, into the next opportunities and movies and connections and friendships and it changes things. How how you leave? I've I've always been taught, and I think it's such a, a great message. It's so true, as Jesus exemplified it for us, if someone rejects you, if you lose a job, if you lose friendships, the natural thing to do is to curse the darkness. The natural thing to do is, is to point the finger. The natural thing to do is to hate on the people that hated you. Has anyone been there? I've been there myself. But God's way it says no. Those are the moments that we need to stop Halt the anger and the pain and bring that to God and understand that, hey, you're so close to finishing this assignment and this race, but you have to finish it well if you want to be promoted, changed for the better. Because I've seen so many people get stuck because they just reacted they started to speak as Jesus as he was going into Jerusalem to, to the, the pinnacle of, of his race, of his assignment, was on a donkey and he was quiet. You see, you know what the donkey represents? It represents peace. When a king would come into a city on a donkey, it would mean he's bringing peace in. There's no war. We're, we're, I'm, I'm a king of peace right now. But if he came on a horse, it meant he was a king of war. He was coming to declare that there would be war. At the end of Jesus' race, he was declaring peace. It it didn't just fulfill the moment. It fulfilled that scripture in Zechariah that we just spoke about, which was hundreds of years prior. It fulfilled the scripture. Also, it confirmed his status as a king. Next point. Jesus prayerfully discerned clear expectations. How ironic was it that when Jesus was entered in on this donkey into Jerusalem towards the finish line, that people were giving him all kinds of praise as a king, and they were right to do so. They were accurate to do so. They they seen uh, his kingly qualities. He was the Messiah. They knew that he was more than just a human being. There was more to him than just that. There was something supernatural in operation. They praised him. Hosanna in the highest. Correct. but the same people who praised him and had palm branches and laid down their cloaks, which was a sign of his kingship, the same people were the people that put him on the cross. And it's funny, Jesus knew this because he wept as he went into Jerusalem, as he he could see something that we couldn't see or the people at that time couldn't see. And I was like, what's going on there and what can I learn from that God in my life? And I think what I learned about that was Jesus had clear expectations. Listen, we need to be around people. We need encouragers. That's all a part of our journey. I'll talk about that in just a second. But Jesus knew something about praise and the praise of man. We're designed to worship God. We should be doing that. But Jesus knew something that maybe we don't and I didn't. Is it the praise of man? What's this? Where does praise usually come from? If someone's encouraging you, where does it come from? So if I'm on the journey, and I'm running in the marathon, the praise is usually on the sidelines. And as I'm running past them, they're praising me. Come on, keep going. Woo! Let's try it for a second. I'm going to run here. I want you to praise me. Come on. Woo! Thanks, thanks. Okay. That feels good. Oh, that's great. Woo! So Thanks so much. That's so, so encouraging. The problem is you're not running with me. Praise often comes from behind to push me forward, and it's good. But my fight and my struggle is in front of me. If I go to war, I go to war not with my back, with my front. And so I've got to be careful if I allow the praise of man to become my foundation and what dictates what I do. Because what happens is, if I, if I oh, I love that praise, praise I love, uh, uh, but have you ever been in the marathon? Sometimes there's, 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 Massive stretches where there's no one. It's emptiness, then you come back into the city or, and there's people again and woo! And it does help a bit, but, but the same people that praise Jesus are the same ones that put him on the cross. And so you've got to be careful when you rely on people and the praise of people to sustain you. Listen, the praise of people can encourage you 100% God's way but it can't sustain you. What sustain you, sustains us needs to come from within. What sustained Jesus wasn't the people, was His Father, it was His commitment to the process, His commitment to the assignment. It came from within, because what happens is if I start to make people my, people my foundation, is what I turn my back, and I start to go towards the crowd. And the crowd actually steal They steal my assignment. The crowd actually turn me away from finishing the race. They become a distraction. The praise of man can actually be a snare. Although it's good, it can't be our foundation. Because our fight is in front. It's funny, Jesus, but yet here's the tension. The truth always has a tension. Here's the tension. But yet Jesus still had betrayers at his table. What, how, how did he do that? Knowing Judas would be at his table at the Last Supper. He was going towards that, remember, into Jerusalem. He was going to meet with his team and his group and his family. And he still allowed betrayers to be at the table. He, he still allowed these people to praise. He didn't call them out. He, it was as if he'd seen something that we didn't that I didn't see. There's something else at work here. There's something bigger at work here. There's something more powerful. It's as if what's fueling Jesus is bigger than just what you see on the surface that continued to allow Him to finish strong. See, people's praise offerings will always fall short of a sin debt collection. You're going to need a bigger collection and a bigger picture if you want to complete your assignment, you're going to need more support, more power, and more energy. So it goes on, I want to make this point, when Jesus, at the very start of that scripture, it says, they approached, they approached, they approached Jerusalem together. Not just Jesus, it wasn't a one man band. That's why as a church, where where are they? Those ones. There is par in unity. We're in a tension here. There is par in together. Jesus also went, and, and right before this, he empowered 72 people to go two by two into neighboring towns to do ministry. So, so it's, He understands humanity. He understands how fragile it is, but he didn't give up on them. He understands that they're sinful and they'll be easily swear, and Peter will deny him three times. He understands that, but he doesn't give up. It's a tension. He fully believes in humanity, fully believes in people, but he also fully understands that they will feel him, and that cannot be his foundational reason for doing what he does. He's still invested and left the hands of, of the church of Jesus Christ in their, the apostles' hands. Even though as he trained them, they failed him, they betrayed him. We went to the, after this, he went to the Garden of Gethsemane. What did they do? Hey, can you pray for me while I go feel the weight of this and, and ask God for help? And they slept. He invested, he committed to them, but he didn't rely on them. Something deeper was at work. There was a bigger picture at work. Next point, Jesus is Jesus' donkey needed untied. That's mad, isn't it? That you just go up to, you know, I just picture me going up to someone's house and I get your motorbike. Um, I'm taking that, okay? Where's the keys? No. <laughs> you, you're like, what? Some, and it, this, this, this donkey had been untouched. It needed Untied. Unraveled. To do that, you need a certain kind of boldness. You need a certain kind of authority. You need someone else really guiding you, like, oh, I'm not just going to go up and do that. That's random and weird. But Jesus relied on a random, unknown person to provide a donkey to fulfill his assignment, to, fin- to help finish his race, his transport. To finish the race was found in an unknown unknown person and unknown resources. I'm telling you, if we want to have impact in this world, if I want to have impact as a church, we want to have impact, we're going to have to carry some of that boldness where we're not afraid to walk into rooms and to ask, ask bold questions. You know, maybe as we move forward as a church, we're going to have to go untie some some buildings. We're going to have to untie some people from bondages. And we're going to have to speak over them with authority. Not with, I think maybe you should like maybe do maybe kind of what Jesus says maybe. Or or I think you're kind of forgiven if you receive Jesus. I think you can kind of let... Your shame go if you you receive Jesus as your Lord. I think what he done on the cross was maybe enough. No, what he done was enough, is enough. Your past is not your present or your future. Your past will not dictate your future. It is a fact. He died, he rose again, and he has freed the chains of sin in your life. You can go. In authority, you can move with authority, with confidence. You don't have to to worry what the praise of man is saying. That is not your foundation. That is not who you are. We've got to untie some soul ties, some lies that we have believed, some connections that emotionally we have had. But the only way you can break them off is with boldness. Boldness that walks into someone's house and texts their donkey. Their car. Hey, I'm going to take your car. Is that okay? For the kingdom. Cheers. Thanks. <laughs> he has got the nicest car in here? I'm going to try that later. <laughs> See, God's favor goes beyond your friendships and your knowledge. Maybe you're looking for a job to... Per- to provide for your family, but it's going to take you to go up to someone and boldly declare, I can do that job. (laughs) You mightn't know how to do it just just yet, but you know you'll work it out. You know you've got the character and the commitment to learn, even when it gets hard, even when you hit rock bottom, you'll not give up. You see, that's the kind of person that people want to employ, that, that when they hit rock bottom, they do not give up. There's something that goes deep beyond their emotion. There's a commitment. There's a fight in them. that When they get it wrong, they get back up again and they improve and they change. They finish the race. The most successful, some of the most successful people in the world today are, are people who just continue to finish. They're committed to finishing whatever they do, no matter how small, whether it's a run, Whether if they said they'll meet someone, they'll get there. Even if their car breaks down, they'll get there. If if they're a parent, they'll do whatever it takes to be the parent that they, they know they should and want to be. But it looks like someone who understands with clear expectation that there's a ditch coming ahead and I have to go through it. And it won't last forever. And at the end, I better be aware of the praise and and the easy way out. I better be aware of the feelings of trying to neglect the process of of being distracted. The enemy comes right at the finish line to distract me. Because that's where I am the biggest threat. Jesus chose the posture of surrender to bring completion. The Bible goes on to say, Paul actually says, death where is your sting. He overcome. He changed the whole framework of Christianity. The veil is now torn. We no longer need one priest to go in once per year to get the Word of God. Now, male and female have access to the Holy Spirit. We are actually, all priests, throw that in your theological pipe and smoke it. Trying to help my wife out, she comes from a Catholic background, darling. You're a priest now. What? <laughs> I want to confess some things. It's true. I tell you what. <laughs> I feel so much more confident with a hundred people on the field going one way, charging against an enemy than I do by myself. I tell you, honestly, when I used to come into church by myself, I felt nervous. <laughs> Like where I'm going to sit? Is there going to be a seat for me? Are they going to look weird at me? Are they going to reject me? Am I good enough to be here? Do I have the right clothes? What if I let, let a swear word out? What are they going to say by mistake? It's just a habit. I'm sorry. Yeah, what are you going to do with that? But what does that Bible scripture says? If if one can put a, a thousand a flight, two can put ten thousand a flight. God is about building team. We're better in numbers. With unity, to gel us together. God didn't want us to be isolated or alone. That's why we do groups. That's why groups are amazing. And listen, it's messy. There's some relationships that will get fractured, and you'll go through a you'll go through a, a dark pit where you'll have your ability to forgive people will be challenged. Good. I'm glad it's messy. That's the part of the process. That's the part of any journey to completion. That's a part of any process to change. You need mess. You need resistance. You need the ability to overcome your fleshly instincts, and it can only come through the power of God. And so I've got to fit it in church. Okay, what are you going to do about it? You're just going to, it hurt my feelings. Okay, that's good. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not probably a good counselor, am I? Get on with it. But I'm serious. Did Jesus Jesus riding on a donkey. They're about to whip me. They're about to, they're about to mess me up bad. He's he silent. So this is part of the process to finish in well. This is just part of the process to kill in the flesh. We can't, the enemy comes in in those moments to distract us with offense. They said this. Our personalities class. Yes, they will. That is normal. Clear expectations. Can I give you clear expectations about church? your personality will clash with some people. It's okay. Some people you might even have feelings of hate towards. Can we be honest? I'm afraid to say it's okay. But it's okay. Jesus didn't die just to, to leave us the way we are. He loved us as we are, but not to stay the way we are. And so you know what you have to do as you go through... That, uh, that wall, as if you were running a marathon, you have to process and you have to keep moving forward. And you have to do the Bible. And you have to live the Bible. Because what are we, you're just going to be a bunch of fluffy Christians that can't get through any hardship. It's a time to dig deep. It's a time for faith to arise. It's a time where we actually have to apply the Scriptures for once. It's easy just to come here and sing fluffy songs they're fluffy, but I mean, just sing songs with nice feelings. I mean, that's great. We should do that. We should worship God with all of our heart. But if you really want to worship Him, when you're in your darkest hour, you surrender to His will. That's worship. That's worship that will change you and change the society and the family around you. If I see someone change like that, it's going to impact me. Whereas I just see someone's hands in the air, like a lot of people looking out there, oh, what, are you, what are they doing? Their hands in the air. Let me explain that. That's just a sign of surrender. International sign of surrender. For any of you that are like, what are they doing? Like, did someone score a goal? <laughs> kind of. I'm going to finish up. So as Jesus came to the finish, he was seated. There's a time to talk and there's a time to be silent. I tell you what, there's been a season in my life where I felt I was wronged, betrayed, all of those things. It was the best thing for me, but I hated it. Public rejection, humiliation, and you know the beauty about it is I had a great example to follow. And I'm telling you, I didn't get it right all the time. I so wanted to talk. I wanted to chase everyone down that I heard a rumor about that spoke about me And try and put them right. And you know what? They didn't want to know anyhow. I wasted my time. Actually, a good nugget of wisdom that someone taught me is like, sometimes you need to allow some fires just to burn out themselves. Don't go and put fuel in the fire. (laughs) Let it be. Jesus knew that. Be silent. They'll see the bigger picture. God is my vindicator. God is my sustainer. The praise of people can sometimes... uh, not be very, they're not going in the storm with me, they're, they're dealing with other things. I can't rely on people to, to, to bring me to the finish line. God's give me the power to finish. He gave me the example and he gave me the power. And so I want to finish with this last thing. I was nearly calling this message uh, kind of based on, on this last picture. So here we have the cross and that was the finish and that's where the veil was torn, and that's where the power was released, and that's where we all became priests. What does that mean in fancy language? We all are on the team. We're, all, we're not substitutes, we're not spectators, we're in the game. The church will do best when the church understands that we're all in the game. And we all have gifts, and we all have abilities, and we all have the ability to lead people to Christ, and we all have the ability to go through the darkest storms, and we all have access to the power of the Holy Spirit that is for those storms. But Jesus seen something that other people didn't. As he was riding on a donkey, and people were praising and encouraging him, and he knew they would betray, betray me. And as, as, he, as he discipled Peter, and he knew he would deny him, and as he sat down at the table with his disciples, and he seemed... Uh, Judas and he said one of you will betray me and he was at the garden of Gethsemane and he was asking them to pray for help but they fell asleep Jesus seen some things that, that they didn't there was something bigger at play and there's something bigger at play in your life and it's not just what you see right here and right now you see this is what they call in, in te- technological terms picture in picture picture and we see the cross here, and that, that's what looked like the finish line, but there's, Jesus seen something else. There's something else driving him. The Bible says that it was for the joy that was set before him he endured the cross. He was seeing a different picture. He didn't just see the cross, he seen beyond the cross. He's seen people attached to the cross. He see, it's the people that drove him to the cross. Some people in your life will drive you to finish. God has called us to love him, to love people. Who are the people that you love and what will you do for them? Who are the family in your life that you love, that you will lay down your life to see them come to faith and see them come to know Jesus? I'm telling you, if that's what it's about, you'll go so much further. The voice of the crowd doesn't really matter so much then. And so I ask you, what is it that drives you? Jesus came to free us, to save us, our friends and our family, to give us a promise of eternity. And without him, he is the only way. There's no hope. The earth is confused, is dysfunctional, is broken. And Jesus' word has stood strong from start to finish, is bearing fruit, is changing lives, is saving souls. So what is it that drives you? What is your assignment? Where are you? You know what your assignment is? Is where you are with what you have. Where you are with what you have, what's in your hand, that's your assignment. You see the beauty about a picture is the picture in the background is bigger than the one on the inside. You see, God's perspective, heaven's perspective is higher. His ways are wider. His depths are deeper. His grace is greater. When Jesus was walking through the hardest time of his life, he had a picture that trumped was greater, was bigger than his current circumstance and his current pain. You see, when we see sinners like you and me come into the church and we see people fall, we see people make mistakes, people get angry, people not not forgiving each other. As a church, our job as people is not to see the small picture, is to see the big picture, is to see how God sees, is to see... Uh, the gifts and talents that they have at the other side. Listen, they're in a process, in a journey to change. They're not there yet, but our job is to push them, to encourage them and point them not to ourselves, not to our praise, but to Jesus. And He empowers them to finish. And His Holy Spirit empowers them to finish the race. And that's when we start to see change. And that's when we start to grow. But there's something greater at work. Let's go ahead and stand. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. I hope it encouraged you. There's a few things I'd love you to do. I'd love you to subscribe to our YouTube, iTunes or Spotify account. This is so you can keep up with our most recent material and messages. If this ministry has impacted your life and you'd love to help us reach others, you can do that right now by going to ariachurch.org.org and giving now. Cannot wait to see you next week on the Orient Church Podcast.